Hello, and welcome to another episode of Extra Innings, a Phillies podcast by the Philadelphia Inquirer. I'm Matt Breen in Clearwater, Florida, joined here with Scott Lauber. We're going to be joined on the phone by Bob Brookover. It's a big day in Clearwater as the Phillies came to terms today, a 13-year deal with Bryce Harper. We'll get into all of that, but first, we have it for this special podcast. We have a new intro, a special intro. It might just be a one-episode-only intro. A friend of the podcast said he didn't like our intro. So we gave this guy the chance to record it himself. We'll see what you think. You are listening to Extra Eddings, presented by the Philadelphia Inquirer, Daily News, and Philly.com. Matt Breen, Scott Lauber, and Bob Brookover bringing you all the Phillies news you can handle. All right, so the Phillies signed Bryce Harper today to a 13-year contract. I think it, it was surprising that it happened today almost. I, I felt like this was dragging on for another week. I left my wallet at home today, drove back to drove back to the condo, came back here, but it wasn't like, wow, I had to rush back because the Phillies were going to sign Bryce Harper sometime today. I, I was, I honestly was caught off guard a little bit. Thought it was going to be next week, it, just the way that the, you know this week had went. But it happened today, and a 13-year contract was maybe the more surprising part, that it was longer than 10 years. Scott, what did you make of the deal? Yeah, you know, I, I think I said to you earlier, so I was thinking about this the other day, and I was thinking we've all been fixated on the 10-year number, right? 10 years, 10 years. And I started thinking, so he's 26 years old. Why, why does this have to stop at 10 years? Why couldn't they go 12 years or 13 years? And what I think the Phillies accomplish in going 13 years on this is they bring the average annual value of the contract to like $25.4 million, I think, which in the grand scheme of things, you know, I think is going to allow them some more flexibility to stay under the competitive balance tax in future off-seasons and, and still make other moves. Uh, it was something that sounded to me like earlier in the off-season maybe they had some reservations about, like doing a big deal like this and would that hamstring them in other off-seasons. And by going the extra three years... Uh, they, you know, they actually allow themselves a little bit more flexibility in a weird sort of way. So, yeah, I think 13 was a number I didn't really expect, but I was sort of thinking, why stop at 10 for a guy who's 26 years old? If it takes another few more years and you get the deal done, then 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 do it. You might as well. Yeah, I I, pers- I personalized this actually. I thought 13 years, I'm gonna be a retired or be dead by the time this guy's done playing in Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping he just retires because I don't want to really check out at 68. But no, it's, I, I was done by the years. I, you know, I never in a million years did I think that that they would go 13 years with this guy. But as Scott said, you know, it, it does really give him some payroll flexibility. Uh, you know, I'm surprised because I thought Scott Boris would go for. Um, you know, the, the AAV record as well as the largest free agent contract ever, and he didn't go for that, uh, you know, he, and by not going for that, all those questions, you know, there's a lot of people right now, especially nationally, who, who should be red-faced and all the, the – red's an appropriate color here too, who said, you know, this guy doesn't want to play in Philadelphia, this guy doesn't want to play in Philadelphia, and the contract screams – Oh yes, he wants to play in Philadelphia. Not only does he want to play in Philadelphia, he wants to be a Philly for life. I guess we're going to start taking bets. Who's going to last longer, Bob Brookover or Bryce Harper as a Philly? 
I'd take I'd take Bryce for sure. Um, we talked a lot on the previous podcast about how good the how what the difference is for Bryce Harper with the Phillies that they were already NL East contenders, but I think now we all agree this is, that makes them National League pennant contenders, if not you know World Series contenders. Scott, why? What makes what why what makes Bryce Harper so valuable that now it pushes the Phillies to to that next level? Yeah, I just it's the whole package, right? So I mean, it's what he brings to the middle of a lineup. It's uh, it's the fear factor. Now you've got a hitter that you've got a kind of game plan around. Uh, it makes everybody else in the lineup better. I mean, now it's not it's not just Reese Hoskins that can beat you with a swing. It's not. Uh, just JT Real Muto, who you have to worry about. And I think there are going to be teams that are saying, you know, we're not going to let Bryce Harper beat us. And it makes the guys around him get better pitches to hit or puts them in situations. So I just think, you know, having that big kind of real threat in the middle of their lineup, that's not something every team has. In fact, I would say most teams don't have that guy who just scares the daylights out of you because he's on deck or because he's coming up third in the inning. And and uh, I think Harper has that. Uh, he has that kind of, I think, um, you know, that aura about him. And he's not a perfect player. There is no such thing. And there are going to be things that uh, – there are going to be trade-offs that you don't like. I mean, his defense in the outfield uh, is something that people have questioned. Um, you know, he strikes out a whole lot. I mean, there are things that make him an imperfect player, but – to have that guy who does what he does, it affects everybody else. And I think, you know, I, I wrote this today that they've talked a whole lot since the end of last season about, quote-unquote, moving the needle in that direction of 90 wins. And they've done that with Segura and Real Muto and McCutcheon and Robertson. But this kind of really, really f- pushes the needle. This was the one, uh, you know, this and Manny Machado were the blockbuster moves that were out there to be made that would really, really almost break, I said the other day, break the needle. And that's what this does to me. It it, it gets them 290 wins and probably over 90 wins. And I think it makes them one of, you know, the two or three best teams in the National League. And it sort of changes everything for a franchise that was looking to, to change everything and, and take that next step forward. So, so guys, while I was excitedly awaiting the the – taping of the Extra Innings podcast. I've been working on our companion, the Extra Innings newsletter. Um, and in the midst of that, I, I came up with some stuff that, you know, just tells you how exciting this lineup has become. So you, if, you, if you decide you want to, like, I don't know how Gabe Tapper is going to sleep at night thinking about what he can do with this lineup. But if you decided like, that Cesar Hernandez leadoff, he's at a 366 on base percentage over the last three seasons. He wasn't even good last year, and he still had a 356, I think. You want a contact guy in a two-hole? Okay, you got Gene Secor. He's batted 308 and averaged 179 hits the last three years. Power lefty in the three-hole? Yeah, that's Bryce Harper. 32 home runs and 93 RBIs over the last three seasons. Cleanup hitter, Reese Hoskins hit 34 home runs and drove in 96 runs without Harper hitting in front of him last year. And then you get to the bottom of the order, which could be the top of the order in a lot of places. You got JT Ramuto, one of the best catchers in baseball, he's hit 286 and averaged 31 doubles and 16 home runs over the last three seasons. He, he, and he's a catcher who doesn't clog the bases. He can run as well as hit. Six, you got McCutcheon. He, so he's, he's not an MVP the way he was before. But over the last three years, 
He's hit 263 with a 356 on base percentage and 802 OPS. Uh, while, while averaging 29 doubles and 24 home runs and 72 RBIs. Last year, if you bat him six, last year the Phillies six hole hitters, they batted 239, which is 21st in baseball, 301 on base percentage, which is 23rd, and 694 OPS, um, which was 18th. And then we get to Mike Franco, who's now your seventh hitter, who's been your cleanup hitter a lot of the years. And he's averaged 24 home runs over the last three, three seasons. And then in the eight hole or nine, whatever, however Gabe wants to play the lineup that night, you've got Odubel Herrera, who hit first, second, or third in 64% of the Phillies games over the last four seasons. And now you got him batting at the bottom of your order. I mean, that lineup is just scary, scary good. You might not be around to cover Bryce Harper's uh, whole career, but you might manage the Phillies before the end of their career. Hopefully Gabe was listening to that. You just really pretty much did his whole entire job for him. <laughs> yes, I would like to have Gabe's job. I, I think I'd be very good at Gabe's job. I, I would at least like to have Gabe's paycheck. Or you're breaking out all the analytics. I thought you were going to try to get a job as like an analyst in the Phillies front office. Hopefully Matt Clentech is a subscriber to Extra Innings. If not, he should be. Um, oh, everybody the, should be. The biggest winner today, obviously the Phillies signed Bryce Harper. The fans are winners. The Phillies are winners. But is there a bigger winner than John Middleton who really was in the shadows for his entire time as the owner until I think it was three years ago when he came to the the press conference to hire Andy McPhail was really his first visible presence as Phillies owner. And he puts his reputation on the line in November by saying the Phillies are going to spend stupidly. Then he goes to Vegas in January. Then he goes to Vegas again last week. I mean, if he came up empty this offseason without a superstar, it, there would have been so much egg on that guy's face. I mean, he still has a billion dollars in his bank account, so I guess it doesn't really matter that much. But he put his reputation on the line. And, and to me, Scott, I don't think there's a bigger winner than John Middleton. Yeah, it's a lot of money to clean up egg. So I think he, he would be able to handle that. It, it was, for me, I, the way I looked at it was, it was very Steinbrennian, Steinbrennerian of him, right, to get on that plane last Friday night to fly across the country for a meeting with Harper, you know, maybe the only difference is I don't know that Steinbrenner would have left Vegas without Harper in tow. I think, you know, I think that's the only difference is that Middleton got back on that plane, flew back to Florida, and Harper wasn't with him. But, you know, certainly I just, you know, the feeling that you've sort of had really throughout the offseason is the owner was not going to be denied on one of these two players, whether it was Machado or Harper. We don't know, and we may never know, what who he preferred on day one. And maybe the fact that Machado signed last week and it was with the team not named the Phillies, you know, I mean, maybe that kind of allowed them and him to sort of focus in on Bryce Harper. Or maybe Harper was the guy all along. We don't know that. But, you know, he was, I think, going out there for one reason and one reason only, and that was to convince Bryce Harper that Philly was the place he had to be. And I think John Middleton sort of knew at the end of the day, after everything that had been said, and, you know, I mean, the 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 stupid money comment has been used now so much, I think probably out of context, too, in a lot of ways, but it's been brought up so much. There was nothing that he could do, that they could do this offseason that would be viewed as a success without signing one of these two guys. He knew he had to come back and get this done. And I felt like he wasn't going to be denied 
for most of the offseason, and I really, really felt like he wasn't going to be denied once he made that trip out there. So as much as we heard about the Giants and Dodgers in the last few days, you know, I just felt like he was the most motivated owner to get this thing done, and that's what he did. So he closed, and uh, he'll get a lot of credit for that. You obviously did not see how far that ball Derek Call had today to, to give the Phillies a 5-5 five to five tie with the Orioles, or you would know that it, this was really Derek Hall's day. Or maybe Dylan Cousins. The Phillies played today? <laughs> no, that, you're absolutely right, Scott. This is this was John Middleton's, um, you know, this was his baby, and this is what he wanted. He's the guy who said after the 09 World Series that he wanted his trophy back, and it took a, it took a decade for him to have the ability, you know, because he, he wasn't the guy in charge, you know, he was the guy who, you know, he he had certainly influence, but he is the guy now. And you know, you got to you got to give the Buck family, the Buck cousins, credit too, because they, you know, they they are on board with all of this as well. And there have been many times in the past where Philly's ownership has been accused of being cheap and not willing to do this, and John Middleton won't do that. Well, you know what? This offseason, John Middleton did everything he, he could to make this. Phillies team, not just an NLE's contender and not just an NL pennant contender, a World Series contender again. And, you know, this is going to be, to steal Doug Peterson's line, the, the new norm for the Phillies for the foreseeable future. They're going to be going for it on a yearly basis uh, as long as John Middleton's running this team. And that, that figures to be longer than, at least longer than me and Bryce Harper are going to be around. I thought you were going to steal Doug Peterson's line about getting ice cream. I love ice cream, but I don't know what that has to do with anything. <laughs> I just That's what Doug Peterson gave the mind for me. Not to get ahead of ourselves, but I think a big reason of the uh, this contract being 13 years instead of 10 years was that it stretched out that money over a longer period of time, and it keeps down that average annual value. And I, you had talked earlier about the, the tax that, they're, they're going to be more flexible for payroll. And when I said not to get ahead of ourselves, we know who's a free agent after the 2020 season. Your neighbor, Bob, in South Jersey, Mike Trout. What, how much do you think this deal, Bob, sets the Phillies up to make a run at Mike Trout? You, you know, I, we're going to have to see what happens over the next two years. But, I, you know, this is so, such a huge year for the Angels. Uh, because they've got to prove to Mike Trout right now that they can win. And if they don't, I, Mike, Mike Trout's got to be out of there, and he might be out of there anyway, but the only hope they have is to, to be a winning team that, you know, not just a team that gets to the playoffs as a wild card or something like that. They need to be a contending team to, to, to keep him in because Mike Trout is watching this. Mike Trout commented, you know, he, he acted like a Philly fan or at least a Philadelphia fan when he was giving out his, you know, at his opening press conference in spring training about Philly's a great place to play. This is what we're like as fans. You know, that's what Mike Trout was saying. So, you know, Mike Trout, he's sitting there watching this and saying, oh, my God, they are they are all in. And, uh, you know, if, if the Angels aren't a good team, I'm all out. <laughs> Scott, the Phillies, are, are the Phillies done? It, with, is, this, is this the roster that's going to start the season, or do you still think there's moves to be made? I, they've made a ton of moves, but there's, they still obviously could – at pitching, I would guess. I'm I'm inclined to say they're done. Um, 
if my math is right, and there's a good chance it's not, um, they spent $440 million, I think it was, thereabouts this offseason. Um, you could certainly make the case that they don't have enough starting pitching, but, and you know this, I mean, any time you bring up names to Phillies people, whether it's Dallas Keuchel or Gio Gonzalez or any of the other free agents who are left after Patrick Corbin signed and Jay Happ signed, and you kind of get a, meh, you know, we think that, we don't think that that's enough of an upgrade over what we have. So if it's Keuchel, I don't, I don't think that Keuchel's going to be someone they go after now. Craig Kimbrell is awfully interesting, uh, especially if he uh, will do a short, really short-term deal. But I kind of get the sense they're happy with their bullpen also. Uh, and so, you know, after what they've done, uh, you know, and, you know, we can run them down again. Segura, McCutcheon, Robertson, Harper, Real Muto. I think they're ready to go into the season with what they have. And if they need a starter, they can try to pick somebody off at the trade deadline, whether it's Madison Bumgarner or, you know, there are going to be starters who are out there. Maybe Marcus Stroman in Toronto ends up being out there or somebody like that who maybe they would view as more of an upgrade over, over what's out there in the free agent market. So I think they're probably done. But, you know, again, the longer it goes into March now and these guys are unsigned, if all of a sudden the price should come way, way down, you know, maybe they swoop in and pick a guy off. But uh, I, I, I would bet against that at this point. That, 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 that's the one wild card thing, though, is if you're Craig Kimbrough or you're Darryl, Dallas Keuchel and you're looking at this and you're saying, ooh, you know, maybe I just go for that one year. Uh, I can go back on the market next year, but this is my one year to – for for me to swoop in and try to win a World Series, if I if you know if I can contribute what this team needs, you know, you you add a Kimbrel and that's a deadly bullpen. Uh, Keuchel, I, I I still think you know that even if they add a Keuchel, that starting pitching would be the weakness of this team, even with Keuchel. Uh, but you add a Kimbrel and that's a that's a lights out bullpen all of a sudden. I mean, I you know I. And so it, if I'm a player like that, I'm sitting out here and I've sat, sat the whole winter, it would be something I would have to at least think about taking that, you know, take a nice, nice chunk of money for one year and go back out. And maybe I go back out with a ring. It's fascinating to hear that, you know, that the Phillies are, could be that team that attracts these superstars, not only Bryce Harper, but even more guys that this is a destination to come to. Two years ago, they signed Michael Saunders and Howie Kendrick as their big off-season acquisitions. It's just to see to look back and to see how far it's come. It's, it's really wild. And that that's all I've got for this week. For Scott Lawler and Bob Brookover, I'm Matt Perrine. Uh, subscribe to Extra Innings in iTunes or Google Play, wherever you, find your, wherever you find your podcast. And we're more than just a podcast. We're also a newsletter, like Bob mentioned earlier. Subscribe at philly.com slash newsletters to Extra Innings, the newsletter. Through spring training, it's every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning. And then once the season starts, five days a week, Monday through Friday, we're in your inbox. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening.